And we make our speakers haul the, the thing around here, the pulpit around. Just to Paolo's defense, if you saw at the back of his Cleveland Brown shirt, it said, number one dad. <laughs> number one dad. That's amazing. So, good morning, everyone. Right. Hope you are doing well. 1 Corinthians 2.16. one finishes before it but it says in 2 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 2 16 it, it talks about Paul is quoting from Isaiah 40 where in the old covenant it, it states who has the mind of Christ that he can instruct him he's quoting from Isaiah 40 and then he adds in sec, in 1 Corinthians 2 he says that but we have the mind of Christ what does that mean to you? That's a powerful statement. And I think sometimes we just brush over it. We read there's so many scriptures that if you just take that one scripture, man, it's phenomenal. But we read who has the mind of Christ, but we have the mind of Christ. What does that mean to you? Today I want to delve into that. I was supposed to preach on the the 13th of January, and then we had that lovely snow day, so I was going to preach on the mind of Christ then, so I'm picking the same heading, but the, the message is completely different to what it was going to be on the 13th of January, but I believe this is really truly a word from God, um, so it's going to be good. I met and made a friend uh, in Taiwan. I didn't know him in South Africa. He's South African, an amazing guy, a couple of years older than me, um, and we met in Taiwan. I can't remember the fine print of this, the story that I'm about to relay, but the gist of the story was this. Uh, when he finished high school in South Africa, he was a... a what do you call a grade A student? He, you know, did well. He was the head of the school board for the students. He was just an amazing guy, is an amazing guy. And when he was finished school, went to university, studied teaching, became a qualified teacher, had a degree. When he was finished there, it was still in South Africa where every male had to go to serve two years in the military. That was the law. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You finish school, you can either go and study first, or you can go straight to the army, but you will do two years. So he did, and he stayed a little bit longer than two years, worked himself up in the ranks, and uh, became, uh, I don't even know what, but he was not just a normal little guy running around in brown clothes having fun. So he was one of the bosses in the army. And then when that was finished, he started teaching. So he was sitting in a classroom, and he was talking to the students, and one day, as I say, the whole story, I can't remember everything, but there was a, a big boy in his class, 16 years old, and he had his back towards my friend, and he was talking to the class, and he asked the student to do something, 
And the student didn't stand up, didn't turn around, didn't look at him as we were accustomed to back in the day when we were at school. The student just sat down and he, he looked in the opposite direction and he said, no, I won't do it, you do it. And my friend said, did I hear correct? Is that, excuse me? And he said, I won't do it, why don't you do it? And he said the next thing, he does not know what happened, but something amazing happened. In South Africa at that stage, we had blackboards with chalk, and you had a, an eraser. It was a big piece of wood with some foam on the front that you would use to erase. And he took the eraser, and he just threw it. And in his words, as Lucifer himself would have it, this boy at that stage, at that very second, stood up. And as he stood up, this piece of wood connected him in the back of the head. So he threw this just meaning to hit the back of the classroom, not aiming. He said, Rifle, if I did that a thousand times and I tried to do it, I could not do that if my life depended on it. But in that moment... That is what happened. And he threw this thing and hit the student in the back of the head. The student turned around, picked up his bag, walked up to my friend, stood face to face in him, said, your job is gone. You're over. I'm going now. Tell the principal. Tell my dad. And you're done. Packed his bags and he left. So now my friend has a, a little bit of a problem. Brand new teacher. Just entered the working field. And he is in this circumstance. So he knows he's going to get fired. By this stage in South Africa, corporal punishment had been removed from schools. You were not allowed to cane the students anymore. So I think throwing an eraser at them is even worse. That's even bigger trouble. So in any case, he's waiting, waiting. That afternoon, the principal phones him and said, please, will you report to my office tomorrow morning before school? So he knows what's going to happen. So the next morning, he goes to the principal's office, and he sits down. The principal calls him in, and the principal says, take a seat. So as he sits down, the principal says to him, I'm not going to fire you. And he says, just blood started flowing through him again. It was just amazing, but principal said, I'm not going to. And the principal explained to him, my friend, everything that took place. And he said he sat there and he listened, and it was so amazing that he didn't know what happened, how everything escalated to the point to where it did. And here the principal is explaining to him everything that happened and how you deal with this and he said it was one of the most teachable moments of his life because he should have been fired. So what happened is the principal said that afternoon the father came in with the son. The son explained everything that happened. The father said to his son, you will not ever, that's not how we speak to teachers. And he said to the principal that he was sorry, this is not the way I raised my son. In any case, so the principal sat down and he said to my friend, you have to understand one thing. He said, when you went to school, things were different. When you went to school, teachers said what needed to be said and students obeyed. That was the way you left the last classroom you were ever in. 
Then you went from there, you went to university, you studied four or five years, got your degree, did all of that. Then from there, you went to the army. And in the army, no one disobeys. The army, everyone does what is told them. And you work your way up to the point where you, in the last 15 years of your life, have never, ever experienced someone tell you no. So, in other words, the last time you were in a class was more than 15 years ago. Now you step back into a classroom, and it's not the same. So what do you do when something happens, and you have absolutely no reference point on how to deal with that circumstance? Your mind, your brain can't go back and say, when this happens, this is what we do, this is how we handle it, and you can't do that because there's nothing in here that can tell you when this happens, do this. So your brain literally freaks out. So what happens is there are now hormones, there's adrenaline, there are things squirting into your brain. It doesn't get to your frontal lobe here, which makes the good decisions, and you just react. And that is what you did in that moment, sir. You reacted. And we can't do that in class. We're not allowed to do that. I'm telling you this whole story because you and I are living in a day and a time right now where we are bombarded with things. When things are happening and you and I cannot go back to a place in our mind or brain and say, when this happens, this is how we deal with it. This is what we do. This is the way we take care of it. Because there is no reference point in our brains or minds to handle the stuff that we are dealing with today. So when these things happen, today I'm here. God has had me. I'm telling you, I prepared for this way longer than I wanted to. I wanted to get over, and the Lord would just not allow me to leave my closet. And I had to stay, and I had to stay, and I believe this is directly from heaven, that we as the body of Christ need not be freaking out now and throwing things around because there are things happening around us that we can just say, I don't know what to do right now because I've never even heard, thought, seen, imagined this in my lifetime that I would see it and hear it with my own eyes. So how do we, as the body of Christ, deal with these circumstances? You've heard me say before, in circumstances like this, in the covenant that we are in, it doesn't matter who's right and who's wrong. What matters is what brings forth life and what brings forth death. Because you can sit and argue who's right and wrong, which we do, and you can do it until the cows come home. That's not going to help. That's not going to stop the situation, take it away. It's not going anywhere. But what in this circumstance will bring life and what in the circumstance will bring death? So my friend in that circumstance, even though the student was wrong, 
my friend in the natural realm and which related to the spiritual realm, step out of the spirit into the flesh and just made the circumstance worse. And now the enemy has something to hold against you because you, Mr. Christian, shouldn't be acting like that. You stepped out of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self-control. And you left, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, you left walking in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And in that moment, you chose to step into the flesh and you acted out in the flesh instead of staying in the Spirit and now you made this whole circumstance worse. And we, as the body of Christ, when these things are coming and happening, we cannot afford to step out of the Spirit, be antagonized and drawn into the flesh and react in the flesh because flesh just brings forth more darkness. Jesus did not say, if he stood in front of my friend, he would have said, do not repay evil with evil, but overcome the darkness with light. And that is what we as the body of Christ have to do. The darkness that is around us, the things that we are seeing and hearing, Hearing, living through, we have to overcome that darkness with the light. If Jesus were here, he would tell us to stay in the spirit, which has patience, which has self-control, which has love, and act out in the power of Holy Spirit rather than the weakness of the flesh. There are things happening now that if you've heard, I mean, every one of us, I'm sure, in this room has heard of abortion. And depending on how old you are, you've just grown up with it. And abortion for some is, yeah, you know, well, not that bad, or it's, it's okay, or... Abortion at if the baby is so old, you know, you can do it. They don't really, they, they don't even look human yet. It's okay. But we are getting now to a point where you can take a baby, and we all had heard the news and seen it, where, where you can take a baby even out of the womb, keep it comfortable, I think was the word, for a while, and, and discuss what is going to happen with that human being while it's alive and then you can choose should we murder it or not we have never heard that before our mind in abortion we see maybe two weeks three weeks don't even know if it's a boy or a girl that has changed that has changed to the point now where at birth we're going to choose and decide should we take this life or not we have never heard that 
but we can't go now flipping and freaking out and start acting in the flesh where darkness brings forth more darkness, but we must overcome the darkness with light. That is what we are called to do. Let your good works, let your works so shine that they will see your good works and glorify the Father. Because now we can really, we can go at it, and I'm going to say some stuff today, and just check your heart. If it's you, then okay, it's me. I must stop doing that and start doing what God is telling me to do. Because different people have different calls. There's some people who are called to talk and, and speak and go against that, and there are other people who are called to do something else, but spending so much time on that and focusing on that, and that is becoming so great that we get caught into the darkness when we have no right of being there. So we have the mind of Christ. Let's just go look a little bit, just quickly at how Christ operated. Let's look at the life of Jesus here, just in a couple of verses. Luke 5, 16. I'm just going to go through this because we need to pray at the end. Luke 5, 16. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. I understand Jesus did not have Facebook. I understand there was not Snapchat and newspapers and everything that we have today. I even am very aware that the body of Christ was not yet when Jesus was living. I'm aware of that. But what did he choose to do in different circumstances of his life? Did he go and talk to other people and tell them how bad it is and things should be fixed and spend all his time on that? Or did he go to the Father and spend time with the Father and get the heart of the Father concerning situations and circumstances and bring forth the heart of the Father into the matter? So, 5.16, he went away. Matthew 14, 22 to 23, we'll read the whole thing here. Immediately, Jesus made his disciple get into a boat and go before him to the other side. He sent them and the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now, when the evening had come, he was alone there. The mind of Christ. How did Jesus deal with these kinds of circumstances? Luke 9, 18. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them saying, John 6, 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Wow, how amazing is that? What did he do? He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Time and time again, we see how the mind of Christ operates. My question to us as the body, are we taking time to spend time alone with the Father, or are we going to other people and networks and social network and papers and speaking about circumstances, how bad it is, this is so dark, we've never seen this, how can this happen, people's hearts are, and we're just giving this thing more energy, more darkness, speaking about that, or are we doing something about the situation by going to the Father and speaking to the situation the life and the words of God? John 
John chapter 14, for time, not John, sorry, Matthew 14. We all know the story here. This is where Herod and Herodias and the wife of Philip, John goes to this guy and he says to him, you can't have your brother's wife. That's righteous. John did not do anything wrong. He's acting in righteousness. He's saying the right thing. So because of hate, you know, people say it's really, really bad now. The Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. And people, because of hate, will try and chop your head off. No different today. It's in the Word. This is 2,000 years ago. It was happening then already. It just looks a little bit different now. And whose head they want to take. But here John comes and he says to this king, this, this leader, Tetrarch, he said, you can't do this. It's wrong. So now he has a birthday party. We know the situation. Now this lady that he's having this fling with, her daughter is dancing. So they're celebrating. Now, if you know anything about these kinds of people and the way they celebrate, she was not doing the macarena or the hokey pokey. That's not the way they danced over then. So now things are happening at this party. This guy is very happy and, wow, this is a great dance. It's not the floss. And says, I promise I'll give you anything you ask. And because of the hate of her mother, she says, bring me the head of John the Baptist. Let's go to the word here and let's take it from here. Because we can take time now. Who was John to Jesus? It's his cousin. I mean, now we can go and we can. He's the one who said, behold. Everyone else saw a carpenter. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. We can talk two days about the relationship between John and Jesus. John in the womb. While still a baby, recognizes who Jesus is. He's the one that says, man, you need to baptize me because you will baptize with fire. I need it. I mean, this is, this is so deep. And now these disciples of John go and fetch the body because his head is cut off because of hate and jealousy. Because of hate and jealousy, his head is separated from his body. And his disciples go and fetch his body. They bury him and they come to Jesus and they tell Jesus what happened. Matthew 14, 13. Then Jesus heard it. Man, if you were Jesus, if I were Jesus, what would you do? My goodness, they just killed my cousin who did nothing wrong. He spoke the truth. He did what was right and just. And now you remove his head from his body. Do you know who I am? Do you know where I come? Do you know what I can do to you? Look what Jesus did. Look people at the mind of Christ, which you and I possess in every circumstance that we face today. Look how the mind of Christ operates. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat, to a deserted place by himself. Now, it doesn't tell us here what he did. We have to assume that he went to pray, that he just wanted to be alone with the Father because maybe the Father was the only one who understood what had really happened here and, and he just needed to have some time by himself. 
to work through this circumstance and situation. He did not run to Facebook to tell the world how terrible this is. He did not go to people. He did not go to the television stage. He did not wave a banner and a flag. He did none of that. He took this on by getting alone with the Father. And please hear my heart here. Please, I'm not telling you not to get on Facebook. Please hear me. I'm not saying that. But if you need to put something on Facebook, take five or ten minutes and do it. And the rest of the hour, be on your knees praying against that circumstance in situation instead of reading and posting and loving and liking and all of this. Yes, they must do this and this to him. That's not changing the situation at all. That's what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to do anything, get rid of I'm not saying that. Hear my heart. We as the body of Christ, we need to be doing what the Father wants us to be doing. So Jesus goes away. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. Oh my goodness. Can't you leave me alone for five minutes? Don't you realize my cousin was just killed, had his head chopped off? You're not even here because you like me. You just want what I can do for you. Can't you just give me time alone? How selfish are you that you just think about yourself all the time and I'm just here to serve you and help you and do things for you? Don't you get it? No, that's not what Jesus did. He got with the Father, heard what the Father said, only did what the Father told him to do, and now compassion comes out of him because he sees these people and they come to him. Let's read further. And Jesus went out and he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Can you see what the enemy is doing here? Trying to get at him, trying to get at him. And Jesus takes the most dark, horrific situation and turns it into absolute light. Didn't think about himself, didn't, this is the way it should be done. He got alone, heard from the Father what to do, and went along with what Dad told him to do. And that's have compassion and heal. So now Jesus healed all of them. You think the enemy was a bit upset about that? I mean, yeah, he's got him. He's just got his cousin. And man, he's going to be so angry now. He's not going to know what to do. And all these people are going to follow him. Let's see what he does. He heals all of them. Wow, that wasn't good. Not a good move on the enemy's part. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is absurd. These disciples, they're amazing. I mean, it's dark, it's late, there's no money. Do we spend a lot of time telling Jesus something that he already knows? How much of our time do we spend in quote, unquote, prayer. Make a chain. Get everyone involved. And we sit and we tell him, man, it's so dark. You, you have no idea what's happening down here. It's, and go on and on. And they stand and they're telling Jesus, it's dark, it's a deserted place, it's dangerous. There's no money. You tell, tell him to go home. And Jesus once again, no, that's not the father. He doesn't want that. Let's. Let's use this horrific time of our lives. Let's use this terrible circumstance 
and turn it around for something so amazing that 2,000 years from now, people will be talking about this very moment. And if Jesus had listened to what they were saying, as if he didn't know, we would not be here today. But you know what's happening? We are getting more faith as we hear this and we see the working of God. And he wants us to do that from something that started off so bad and so horrific. Body of Christ, can we do the same that in hundreds of years from now, the church can turn around and say, when our forefathers, when people before us went against that horrific bull, when they prayed and brought in the governance and the governance of God, wow, we're talking about this so many years after that. Imagine if they just sat and said how bad it was and just left it there. We have an amazing opportunity to make this kingdom shine and go forth right now. Are we going to use this time? Or are we just going to look and tell one another how bad it is? When it was evening, disciples came to him saying, send them to go away. We know he fed all the thousands, whatever then. Verse 22, look at that. I mean, this is now amazing. 5,000 men. So you've got 5,000 men, 5,000 women. We don't know how many children there are. They all fed. There's food left over. They take it away. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciple get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. He just had the most amazing victory. Fed all of those people, healed all of their sick, the disciples, their faith, they seeing who he is. What does he do? He doesn't go and celebrate, run to Facebook, 500 posts, blah, 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 blah. He goes to be with the Father. And he gets with Dad. Is that the mind of Christ that we are using? Or is that the mind of Christ that we just read about every Sunday? Because there's a huge difference in reading. Being able to say, I can quote verse and scripture and chapter, man, I know this book. But do we experience the mind of Christ that we carry or just read about it? I love you. I'm not, please understand my heart here, but man, these are times that we have not seen and God has allowed us to be alive today. If we were not supposed to be here, we would not. But we are because we are powerful and we can change because the blessing is greater than the curse and darkness always outwins, sorry, light always outwins the darkness. Darkness can't stand against the light. So I'm not screaming and shouting, I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped up. It's not good enough anymore to just read the Bible and read examples and we have to experience it. And we say all the time, it's so you have someone at university and he can teach a class about business, but he's never owned a business before. You've got people who are doing marriage counseling and they haven't been married. It, it doesn't work. They've got people telling people how to raise their children. They have zero kids because they've read a book and they've got a doctorate and they've got a name card and they've got all of this stuff, but there's no experience. And when we talk about this chapter, this verse, can the world look at us and say, have you experienced the mind of Christ? Or is it just theory to you like the rest of the world? Or can you prove to me that this is true, what you are saying?
quickly. Chapter, Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6, 6 to 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord amongst the brethren. God hates these. The seventh is an abomination to him. We that have this kingdom that we are in, what does it say about our kingdom? We'll go and read some verses now. It's unshakable. His kingdom rules and reigns over all. The blessing maketh rich and adds no sorrow. We read all of these things. If that be true, which it is, then let's look at these verses. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look. A lying tongue. Let's talk about this because we're talking about the abortion thing coming out now. Hands that shed innocent blood. If his kingdom rules and reigns over all. If his kingdom, Hebrews, cannot be shaken. Should hands that are shedding innocent blood really be messing us as the body of Christ around? Or should it be the other way around? If his kingdom is truly what the word says it is. Should a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are running to evil, should that really mess us up? If his kingdom is true and his kingdom will never, ever lose to the kingdom of darkness because the gates of hell shall not prevail. If that is true, which it is, why are we in such a state now? Or is the kingdom a wonderful theory? To us, And heaven is an amazing place. And Jesus came and said, pray this way. Let what is happening in heaven come down to earth. You know how many babies and things are in heaven and health and peace and all of that? Pray that that would come down here. Is that just, wow, this is the Lord's Prayer. We can quote it. It's in Matthew. Read these verses. Or are we really, really doing that? And seeing that kingdom manifest so that these things that the Lord hates are not as prevalent in the world as what they are today. Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to verse 28. Therefore, now again, therefore, that's such a, you can't just start a verse at therefore, because what is therefore, therefore? But 28 says, therefore, since we are receiving, it's receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Is this kingdom, because I, I'm all grace, I get hammered the whole time because I'm too filled with grace and I don't, but man, this kingdom, there's grace, but it's, it's because of a godly fear that we are in this kingdom and we are sober in this kingdom and we live the life we do. Or is this kingdom just, just grace and do whatever you, it's not that, that's not what grace is. So this kingdom that we are in cannot be shaken. Well, there are a lot of Christians right now that are speaking about a lot of stuff, and we seem shaken. 
and the Christians are running around when we are the only government can't solve problems, people, only God, the church, can. It's up to us. We need to be the answer. We need to be the light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And we sing this little light of mine. Your little light's not doing anything. You're the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, why isn't the world seeing us as being the light of the world? Hebrews, it talks about in chapter 1. Listen now, because in this kingdom, therefore, because this kingdom which can't be shaken, Hebrews 1, we have angels that minister unto us. Wow, we have angels on our side. Isn't that amazing? Hebrews, Jesus, the express image of the Father, so we know exactly what the Father looks like, what he thinks, because we've seen Jesus. You don't have to guess. It's laid out red and black and white in front of you in this book. This is the heart of the Father and Jesus. Go on in Hebrews. The word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. Wouldn't it be nice to have a weapon like that? We do. Come before the throne of grace boldly that you may obtain grace and find mercy in a time of need. I would say this is a time of need that we are in right now. Are we coming to the throne of grace? Are we posting stuff on the internet and talking about it and telling everyone how bad it is? Or are we doing what the word says we have available to us as the body of Christ? Because children are dying. It's not okay for us to just sit by and post and read and not do what we were called to do. To let our light so shine. Because lives are dependent on how we act right now. Hebrews 9.24 For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself. Christ entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Gee whiz, what an amazing verse. This spotless one, after everything he did, he went to heaven. Not because he had to do anything for him, but he went to heaven and now sits there on behalf of us. How powerful. How many, just in the book of Hebrews, this covenant that we are in, new and living, because of the made way open to the presence of God through Jesus and his flesh, this kingdom can't be shaken. Wow, are we using this? Or is it just another nice theoretical thing that we hear on Sunday and, well, you know, it's great. Let me tell you about the kingdom. No, because the word says the kingdom is about experiencing and it's about showing. The kingdom is not in eat and drink, but in power. Power. Psalms 103, 19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Is that just a nice verse to quote? I know it's 1 John 4, 4. I've got it highlighted, and there's a star and a stripe in my Bible, and it's amazing. I can tell you the seven different versions of it, or is it a reality that greater is he living in me than he who wants to go and 
damage life and take life and pretend that he's God. Who is greater? Where is the greater one in us? We, the body of Christ, hell shall not prevail against us. We sang amazing songs today, and his glory will be there. How's it going to get there? Through us. Why? Because arise and shine, your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you already. Just here, the way we walk, Ephesians 6, 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. These people, they don't know what they're doing. And the more you go against them, you're missing who they're getting their information and their thoughts and all. We don't wrestle against them. We wrestle against principalities and powers. And the more you get angry at them, at a person, and you hate him and I, you're just adding darkness to darkness, and the darkness is getting bigger because that's not how we fight in the kingdom. Second Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. See, we can quote this, mighty in God. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not fleshly. Well, when you do that, I'll say this, I'll, no, no. I go and I bring down the word and I open the life of Jesus and I speak because I've got the blood and I've got the sacrifice. I've got his name. I've got angels. I've got, the ki- I've got all of this. This is my warfare. This is how I do it. Not by going and speaking and telling about other people and how bad they are because that's not doing anything to solve problems. First Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. Get this. Please don't just let this be verses. Listen to this. We have not received. You and I have not received the spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. Do you get what this is saying? It's saying that people who are not reborn, it's not that they don't get the river, they can't get spiritual truth they can't because their roots are buried in death it's like you planting taking an apple pip planting this tree making this apple grow as a huge tree but you want oranges you can't go to an apple seed and expect to pick oranges if you do that who's the fool you You can't do that. So these people who do not know Jesus, who are living for themselves, they can't receive truth and the Spirit. So they make these way outward things. They make all of these rules, and it's got nothing to do with God because they can't receive it. But we can. How do we come against that? How do we stop that darkness and those lies? 
with life, with light, with truth, with weapons that are not carnal. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For, he, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Are we going to do this or are we just going to go home? Wow, that was, yeah, that was great. I'm just, on this Wednesday when I, I'm, I'm the chaplain at Ford Trucking Motor Company, this was amazing. And when I was finished, I was going to have a meeting like I do every week, just speak to the owner. And one of the gentlemen there, he's a master mechanic. He's amazing at what he does. And he goes to a Baptist church. It's called Berea Baptist on Pouncey Tract out there by Short Pump. And I was sitting talking to him on Wednesday about, we were talking about this abortion stuff and so on, and talking about how the body needs to stand up and rise up and we're not doing what we should and blah, 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 blah. So when I left, I went to the office and, and it was just, it was God on the inside of me saying, what are you going to do about it? You two sat for 10 minutes and said how bad it is and the church needs to do something. What are you going to do? I could not, not go and speak to that guy again. I could not. Holy Spirit would not. He would have, I got free choice, but I mean, it was so in here. Maybe that's why I'm so rallied up and asking you to. But I went to him, I said, listen, yeah, I, I've spoken at their church before. I've done a lot of things there. We've been, they, they Baptists, so they don't speak, in, they don't believe in stuff that we do, but they believe that Jesus is Lord. And I said to him, how can we come together as a body and come against this? So what we are going to do, Harvest Renewal Church with Berea Baptist Church, every Thursday morning for the month of February, that's where we're just starting now. We'll see how the Lord leads. From 6.30 in the morning to 7 o'clock, week one and week three, I'll have Vikay put it all. So we will go to Berea Baptist. And for that half an hour, we are going to pray against these abortions and these bulls. And we need people, godly people, when they rule, the city will rejoice to come into action and take their place. And on week two and week four, we will come to harvest. And from 6.30 to 7, we will join hands here. And we will pray against that stuff and bring in the kingdom and call the name of God and break every demonic thing that wants to be brought into this place of ours, this country, this nation, and take away life. So I'll have VK send it all out, but every Thursday from 6.30 to 7. If you can't go to the church and join us, just pray at home, whatever, but we need to do something. We need to really stand up to this. You know, Nathan came home the other day, and he, he, he said to me, Daddy, what, what does it mean to suck? I said, wow, that's, because he asked me now, man. He asked me some amazing words, and we sit and we talk, and I explain I said, suck. Well, you know, if you get a sucker, you've got a lolly, you can suck it. And so, where, where did you hear this word? Where did you get that? Because we don't say that. In our house, we don't speak that. that. That word is not allowed in our house. Where did you hear it? He said, after school. I said, okay, so what happened? So, after school every day, I allow him to play. I go pick him up at 3.30, and then he can play till 4, half past 4. They play soccer just there by the school grounds. But there's some boys, I don't know how it works, they're older, they finish whatever level Nathan is now, and they go to another school, and then when that school is finished, they come to Nathan's school, wait for their younger brothers and sisters, and then they go home. So they're about 12 years old, and Nathan is playing with them. They're just all on one field. So I said the one boy I was playing, and I said, did it, this happen during the soccer? He said, yeah. 
said the one boy looked at me, he said, you suck. I said, oh, well, you know, sometimes people just have bad days and we, we don't use that word. Other people may, but in our house, we don't use it. It's not a good word. But on the inside of me, I'm telling you while I'm explaining this to my little innocent boy, my heart is, I'm telling you, pumping. I've got thoughts going through my mind. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm thinking what I can do is, you tell me that boy's name. Because I'm there every day. I can see who it is. I'll go, I'll slap him so hard. I'll absolutely, <laughs> I'll take his teeth out of his mouth. I used to, when I was younger, I, I did what I had to do in my pride. I'll do it. While I'm explaining now, this, this, it's not my thoughts, but they're coming there because of the story. I'm not thinking that, but those thoughts are there. So number one, I can go and I can absolutely beat down this 11, 12-year-old boy. But that will probably not look very good. <laughs> I realize it's 12. Let me... And, and what, what would happen is the next time somebody says something to Nathan which is not nice, which is going to happen, he can't come running to me every single time and daddy be there to protect him. So the truth, and I'm cutting this, the truth of this story is that boy that said that to Nathan is probably not reborn. That's just the truth. So let's get of all emotions Let's get to truth, because only one thing sets free is truth. Forget your emotions. Get to the truth. He's probably not reborn. The truth about this is that me and my wife need to tell Nathan who he is in Christ, what Jesus thinks about him, his identity. So it doesn't matter when someone who's having a bad day comes to you and says, you suck, because you know that mommy and daddy love you more than anything in this world, and Jesus thinks you are the best thing, otherwise you would not be here. So it doesn't matter what people say. You just turn around and smile and pray for him because he might be having a bad day. His mommy and daddy may say that to him. So he doesn't know what it means. Just That's the truth of the matter. Because you see what could happen is I can go and I, can, I don't even have to touch him. I can stand by him next to the field and with my mouth, I'll rip him to shreds that he would never ever want to come close to my son again. You know what just happened? I may have won that battle, but I've completely lost the war. Because the next time the school has maybe, wow, we have a spiritual day or whatever, and we need everyone who is spiritual to come, and oh, let's invite Pastor Rifle to come and pray and talk about the love of God. <laughs> I've just lost a huge opportunity to speak to people who really need to hear it, because I got offended and I got angry in the moment and I act out in the flesh instead of in the light and now other people may never hear the gospel. And this abortion bill and, and wanting to kill babies and do all of this, we need to take this on right so that down the line people can see how we acted. We're not just lying down and saying it's okay, it's not. If you believe in this book and that he's numbered the hairs on your head and you were created before Adam and Eve walked in the garden and he knit you in your mother's womb, you cannot do and say, well, I'm doing it for the best and I believe in God, but you cannot do that. But that's what they want to do because they don't know the truth. Are we going to stand up with the truth? And are we going to war, not carnally, but use our weapons which are mighty in Christ 
for the pulling down of strongholds. So, Thursday, just for February, 6.30 to 7, we're going to pray. But I want us to pray now, even if you can, just, just for five minutes. If you can't, it's fine, I understand. But people, their lives, their babies, their children. I was there when Nathan was born and he came. I saw his head coming out and they want to take someone like that and stick a needle in there and say, you do not matter. That's not God. That's not right. And we need to come against that with the light and the life and the power of the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ. Let's stand up and pray. Come. Father, we just come now. Just pray, people. Forget about the person next to you. You're praying for a baby's life here. You're praying for people's souls. Father, we just come in the name of Jesus as this church, this body of believers, and we say no. We say no, not while we are here in the name of Jesus. We come against every bull. We come against every thought that would say, Lord, it is better for the child not to be here, and they can rule and reign over life and death, and they can make decisions as to who lives and who dies. That is not of you, Lord. You are God. You are the one who gives life, and nobody can take it away. So we come, Lord, and we stand together. We thank you, Lord, for the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is a two-edged sword. And we just come in the name of Jesus as one body. And we say no, because we will stand. We will stand for those babies. We will stand for those mothers that do not know the truth. We will stand, Lord, for people who have no idea what they are doing, Lord. Who just going with the flow and think it's fashionable and it's okay to do it, Lord. But there's a hell, Lord, that waits for people who takes lives and don't do your will, Father. We pray that their eyes would open in Jesus' name. Send workers across their path. That they would come to know the truth, Lord. That the, the blinders would fall off of their eyes. That they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That life would be precious. Lord, your word says... That olives, like olive trees around a table, are children. They are in a man's quiver and they make a man rich. We spoke about wealthy today, Lord. In Jesus' name, it's a wealth to have the children. We pray, Lord, for those kids. We pray for the doctors in Jesus' name. That they would stand for what is right, Lord. That they would stand for life. That they would not give in to mammon and take money to be able to say, if you pay me this much, this is what I will do. No, no, no. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for wisdom. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here today, Lord. The things that you hate, we hate, Lord. So we speak light and we speak love and we speak hope into those circumstances. Lord, every baby, every baby, every baby comes from you. No one is born that you do not know about. No one is born that you did not create, Lord. So we just bless the children, Lord. We bless, Lord, this state. We bless the Commonwealth of Virginia. We ask for righteous people in government because when the righteous rule, the people are happy. And when righteousness reigns, there is joy. We pray, Lord, for the joy of the Lord to be our strength, Lord. We pray that we would come together, awaken our hearts, that we would see truth, that we would speak truth, Lord. That we, if we have to wake up early in the morning and pray, Lord, that we would forget ourselves and our comfort and how easy our life is but that we would stand, Lord, in the gap for those who can't fight for themselves, Lord. That we would stand up for them, Lord, and let our light and our life so shine, Father, that we can save, Lord, people's lives, literally, Lord, that we can save them and bring them back. Father, we ask for your mercy. We ask for your grace. We cry out, Lord, upon the state, Lord, New York, this whole country, Lord, where everything is moving in that direction. We as the body say, no, we will come and we will pray against that. 
We will not allow that in the name of Jesus. What is it is not your will. We are here, Lord, sent by you to have your will be done, Lord. You said pray. Your will be done. Your kingdom come, Lord, here in Richmond as it is in heaven, in Virginia, in New York, in the United States of America as it is in heaven. And children are cherished and they're wonderful and they're a gift from you, Lord. So we pray. We come together as your body and we pray, Lord. Your word says if we pray anything according to your will, we can have confidence and we know that it's your will for those babies to live. We know that it's your will for us to protect them and stand up for them and not allow what is wanting to be done by the evil one to them, Lord, in Jesus' name. So we just come, Lord, and we pray. We bless you, Lord. We bless you and we thank you. We thank you for stirring and awaking our hearts so that we will be the kingdom and the body which you have created and destined us to be. Help us, Lord, help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Help us to fight, Lord, help us to war. Because our weapons are mighty in God. Help us to use our weapons wisely. That your will will be done, Father. We cry out as a people, Father, for your mercy and your grace. Holy Spirit, empower us to do this. Father, you're the giver of life. You give life. And we receive your life, Lord. We receive those children. We say in Jesus' name, let them be. Suffer not the children to come to me. Help us, Lord, to bring them to you. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you will help us, Lord, carry us in our prayers as we do this everything we ask, Lord, we do so in the name above every name, the name, the creator of all, the name of Jesus Christ. We say, Lord, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come, your will be done, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. So as we were praying, I was just feeling that maybe there's one or two of you that may have, maybe there's one or two of you that may have been caught up in that before and you had the abortion and you just feel that guilt and that condemnation and shame there is therefore no condemnation and we just want to give you an opportunity now to come up and just you know just embrace one of the women here embrace one of the moms here and just or, or one of the dads and just get hugs and just know that you're forgiven we don't want to call anybody out we just want to just do this out of love but I know that there are people here that have been walking through hard times and they've been going and rehearsing things over and over and over in their mind. And we just, we just want to give you an opportunity to say, we love you, you're forgiven. And there's newness and there's life. There is life, there's Zoe life coming to you. If anybody wants to come up, uh, prayer ministers to the front, any prayer ministers to the front, 
just come on up so we can just pray pray for people and please do not do not leave without getting prayed for there are people here that love you we're a loving church we're a forgiving church and we just want to bless you through this time so please come up thank you prayer. Come on up now, please. Can we just take a moment? I know that it's 1215, but Father, we pray right now, Lord God, with any person that is dealing with shame, guilt. Father, we thank you, Lord God. Your, Your forgiveness washes it away. Father, and I proclaim over any person that is, that they were involved in any way, Lord God. Father, or they went through something, what we're talking about, God, that Father, that they're free. They're free in you, God. They're forgiven. Father, that they are cleansed, Lord God. That, God, we just right now, there may be maybe uh, the memory of that, shame, whatever. We just pull that off in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord God, that we all have made mistakes. Father, we all have, God, done what we wanted to do. And we thank you, God, for the, the fullness of your forgiveness over all of our lives. And we give you praise for that. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you need prayer today for anything at all, we'll have people up here.